Hey friends, welcome to Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind because that's the rule, not the exception. Today's episode is going to be fairly brief, fairly simple topic, but may turn out to be more complex than we realize. It's about the power of observation. What we can learn from observing the situations around us, what we can learn about leadership, followership, what we can learn about ourselves, just paying attention a little more to things going on around us in conversations, in meetings. You can learn a lot about leadership. The positive effects, maybe the not so positive effects. That's what we're going to talk about today. Hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of leadosophy, Tim Wood. Hey friends, welcome back to leadosophy. Glad you can join us here today on this episode on observation. I'm excited about this episode because observation is is very important. I think that we tend to get caught up in the day-to-day and forget about just taking our environment in, experiencing it, maybe analyzing it a little bit, seeing what we can learn from our environment. It's easy getting caught up in the day-to-day work grind, the home grind. It's easy to get caught up and not really truly understand how our actions are influencing other people. We want to get X or Y done, just do it. We get this done, we move on to the next task. And we sometimes fail to look and see what sort of wake our boat is throwing out. So this episode, I guess, is about a really terrible metaphor of watching our wake. I like boats. I don't like boats much more, much anymore. I like boats when I was in the Coast Guard, but I think I've since I've retired, I retired from the Coast Guard about six years ago. I think I've been on a boat twice. It's not my thing anymore, but that's okay. That thing is for other people, and I'm happy there's people out there like that. Okay, so we have digressed. Observation. Observation. My last uh, almost three years in the Coast Guard, I traveled around the country, and I, I taught a lot of I guess I would say I did teach some, but I more facilitated a lot of risk management classes, operational risk management classes, mission planning, how to plan for Coast Guard missions out on the water, how to get the most out of the mission, how to do it safely, what team dynamics were involved to accomplish this mission, all the different human factors that go into the mission as far as being assertive, adaptability and flexibility, communication, or lack thereof. But I also, part of my class was leadership because mission planning revolved heavily around solid leadership, leadership that would bring the most out of the team, that could solicit the most feedback, could bring out the most voices, not suppress the voices of junior members. 
because when you have a team planning for a high risk mission, everybody must have a voice. Everybody must have some semblance of an equal voice. But in the course of me traveling around the country, I spoke with a lot of people. The Coast Guard is a very small service. I think just over 40,000 active duty members, which the old adage was it was smaller than the Newark Police Department. Someone can fact check me. I don't know if that's still true. Probably is. I feel like there'd be way more New York City police officers. But anyways, but in the course of a very small service like the Coast Guard, you meet a lot of people who know who have similar acquaintances and the more higher rank you go, the longer you're in the coast guard, the more connections you establish, you know, it's the degrees of separation. And you, you hear people describe this person as he's a good leader. She's a good leader. Then another person has an experience with this same person. And maybe this person didn't have a good experience with this person. So they're not really keen on their leadership style. And you end up talking to four or five, six people who have all had experiences with one leader throughout their Coast Guard careers in different stages. And all those experiences are different. And everyone describes that person's leadership different, their leadership style, how they made them feel, whatever. And it reminds me of the Coke bottle story. I think it was my first year at Florida Atlantic University and one of my philosophy professors put a Coke bottle in the middle of the room and and she was using the metaphor about reality, how we all have a different idea of what reality is. And she put this Coke bottle in the middle of the room and we're all sitting around this Coke bottle and she said the Coke bottle is reality and we're all seeing a different side of that Coke bottle. Some of our sides may be very similar to what we see, but there's going to be something missing from one person to the next. Often two people stare at the same situation to see something completely different. We know that. Two people can watch a movie and have very different feelings about that movie when it's over. Everyone sees something different in leaders as well, so that's that's really important because everyone will filter a leader's actions differently. Everyone's going to react differently to, to a leader, their style, their decisions, their actions. So that's important in, in when it comes to observing other leaders in the workplace or even followers as well. Every situation is different. Every, every experience you are filtering through your, your own experience is going to be different than someone else's. What do we hope to learn from watching others? Can we accrue knowledge from observing other leaders in the workplace, in the community? What can we take away? I think that's the, that's the kind of the premise of this, this episode here is if we make some time, if, if we practice deliberately observing other people and how they interact with, with other humans, in the, especially in the workplace, because this, this is a leadership, leadosophy leadership show and a lot of times leadership deals with the work setting so we're, we'll keep that in mind but can you accrue knowledge by by watching other leaders and can you accrue knowledge by by watching followers reactions to other leaders 
again, we all have certain experiences. We all have certain reactions, whether we're watching a symphony or watching a sunset. There's a certain qualitative reaction that we have to our observations. And I think we have to pay attention to that as well when we are observing leaders in the workplace, situations, interactions. And again, everybody's going to have these different experiences. So I think of four ideas that come to mind on ways that we can aid in the pursuit of leadership knowledge. And not just the pursuit of of leadership knowledge, but deepening our understanding of leadership, which is one of the goals of leadosophy. Maybe refining our theories on human behavior. Again, I am a firm believer that the way we lead, we lead based on certain assumptions about human behavior. We act in in so-and-so way because we think we're going to get X results. Cause and effect. If we do this, this will happen. The predictive, I've talked about this before, the predictive statements we make in our mind when we lead, if-then statements. If I tell the person in this way, I'll get more results out of him or her. If I am rude on my approach, then I may not get as much out of people. But you can refine theories like that through observation. But the four ideas that come to my mind for me for the accrual of knowledge is number one, just watching how others lead. And then number two, watching the followers' reactions. Those first two are critical. It's, I, I, I use the metaphor of the canoe trip, right? So if you send two people out on a canoe, one person goes upstream, one person goes downstream, they're going to have completely different experiences. They're going to see different things. So looking at the followers' reactions going downstream, you're going to see something different by looking at the leader's actions or, or behaviors or whatever it might be looking upstream. And think about, too, the, the leader. I've often seen, and you may have seen this, too. You can verify this. How many times have you seen someone in the workplace? They're in a leadership role. Maybe they're in a mid-level manager role. And the way they treat their followers is completely different than the way they act with their superiors. I, I, it shudders me to think that that may be more common than we want it to be. I've seen that often where a leader thinks the manager below them is just top shelf but that person gets the best out of people, out of the, out of the mid-level managers, right? Where that mid-level manager will then in turn treat the people around him or her or below him or her just absolutely terribly. So that's something to keep in mind. That's why it's important to watch the followers' reactions. So watching others lead, watching the followers' reactions to those leaders, And then the third one is kind of like this meta-awareness of our own actions, reactions of others. Here's an example. Let's say you are in a meeting with four or five people, and you're the most senior person there. At some point during this meeting, it would be wise for you to, to just pause in your mind. I'm not saying like maybe outwardly stop in the middle of a sentence and pause, but at some point, observe the room around you. 
And if you have an idea when you're speaking, a meta awareness of what you're saying is not the message itself, but how are people taking the message? Am I locking them up? Or, or is what I'm saying to them causing them to recoil and not say anything? Are they having a positive reaction to what I'm saying? Does it feel like I am stimulating their curiosity? Am I drawing out their criticisms or am I suppressing their criticisms? How am I feeling? Is, am I taking feedback? Am I taking feedback well? This is a meta-awareness, right? You're, you're pulling yourself away from the immersion and the actual conversation within the meeting you're in. And you can do this, not, it doesn't have to be in a meeting, it can be anywhere, you know? I try to, and I'm not very good at it, I have, I have deliberately been working on my communication skills at home. If my wife and I have a disagreement, I try to remember to deliberately pull back and say, okay, am I, am I taking feedback well or am I shutting my mind down to feedback? Maybe it's critical feedback. Maybe it's just feedback that went against the grain of, of an idea I had. And if I recognize that, sometimes I can catch myself and, and maybe adjust course or I can openly say, hey, you know, I didn't take that feedback well. You're right. Or sometimes I'll just, I'll pause for a minute and then I'll say, you know what, you're, you're correct. I didn't, think of, I didn't think about that. And that was that three, four, five seconds of, of a meta-awareness. So it's the observation of self. This may be the most important key in the world of observation, the observation of self, self-awareness. You know, I, th- I think one of the greatest meta-awareness, self-awareness things that came away from me in the leadership world, what I learned is how I learned more about myself being an introvert than anything. It's probably one of the greatest takeaways I had from my 20 years in leadership from a personal standpoint is I learned a lot my, a lot about myself, about being an introvert, how to break through the, the introversion that was maybe too much, and how to you know, how to shake loose some of that introversion and, and kind of portray myself sometimes more of an extrovert. I don't know if I was always successful, but, and finally I, I embraced that role of being an introvert. I knew that I could still, I feel have some success as a leader being an introvert. I think there's, there's benefits of both being an introvert and being an extrovert. Uh, but from that meta awareness of self-reflection observation, I think that's what I learned a lot about myself about, how I am as an introvert, not just that I am an introvert, but it's how I act, how I decide, how I take feedback, what are my emotional reactions when I'm around people, how do I feel at the end of the day, at the end of the day after a day at work in a leadership role. I think Simon Sinek has probably one of the best metaphors for introversions and extroversions. It's like when an introvert wakes up, that person has five coins and then throughout the day with, with human interactions, every human interaction, they have to give up a coin. And by the end of the day, all their coins are spent. Coins being a metaphor for energy. Extrovert wakes up in the morning with zero coins. And then throughout the day, every human interaction, that extrovert gains a coin. 
and accrues coins throughout the day. So, you know, a lot of people think introverts and extroverts are just about introverts are shy and extroverts are outgoing. That's not true. Might be a small little sliver of it. It might be a byproduct, but introverts, it's kind of like, where do you get your energy from? You know, introverts are more withdrawn. You know, they recharge by being alone in their thoughts or, you know, just having that, that non-time at home or going for a walk or whatever it might be with their significant other where extroverts draw that energy from people around them, the more social interactions they have, the better for them. So that was a long talk about introverts and extroverts, but, but yeah, meta awareness. So recapping here, the four, four things that I think we can accrue from observation, watching the other leaders, watching the reactions of the, of the followers, ourselves, our own observation, self-reflection, meta awareness. And then the fourth one is providing feedback encouraging feedback, engaging in dialogue, meaningful dialogue. This is where I think we can hone our own awareness and hopefully hone the awareness of leadership and others. Leaders need feedback, bottom line. The good ones will take it and the bad ones will probably not take it. You'll probably reject it or think you're crazy. That's okay. And I'm not here to say who's a good or bad leader. I'm just saying there are going to be people out there who will take Feedback, and there'll be people out there who will not take feedback. We can learn from watching others, act, decide, how to treat others. Mostly overt behavior. We're talking about overt behavior here too because what you see outwardly is really, I'd say, mostly all you're going to get. The covert behavior as far as underlying motivations, thoughts, feelings that give rise to their overt behavior, you're probably not going to have a lot of insight into that. So you have to, you have to take that, you have to take observing with a grain of salt because what you see outwardly is not always what's going on inwardly. So that's just a, a point of observation. It's not that we can't get any information from observing human behavior, but there's just usually more going on behind the scenes, the operating system in the mind we don't always get to peer into. So let's talk about some, just some specifics. Let's, let's finish this episode with some specific things we can do or what we're looking for through observation. I think one of the first ones is very important. Leaders, followers, human relationships, watch how people talk to one another, conversation skills. And then again, just like I said, that meta awareness, when you're conversing with other people in a room, what are their reactions, right? So conversation skills, how people talk to one another. You can learn a lot about the culture of an organization by watching different interactions throughout the day, different departments, how people talk to one another. Is it pleasing conversations? Is it very domineering conversations? Is it very short and curt conversations? You can learn a lot about not just in a day, if you start to watch over a week or two, you can kind of start getting an idea of, of some things that are going on within an organization just by conversations people are having with one another. Another thing you're looking at is traits. You know, what are the hardwired traits that you're starting to see over time in somebody? And what is, how are people reacting to those traits? I think that's really important. How does a leader 
foster relationships and seek to sustain those relationships. Something else you can observe. Does a leader try to keep relationships at a very superficial level? Not saying that's good or bad. Or do they try to dive a little deeper? Get to know somebody. Ask about, you know, maybe things going on. How's the family? How's the dog? Let's talk about the weekend. Let's share what our hobbies are. You start unearthing a little deeper into that relationship. And again, what are the reactions of the followers? They do, how do they take to that? Technical competence, observing the technical competence of a leader and the reaction of the followers. Is that person very technically skilled in their, in their craft? Were they promoted into a position of incompetence? The Peter Principle. Great book if you haven't read it. Very common in large bureaucracies. The larger a bureaucracy grows... The theory is the more people that are promoted into positions of incompetence, more management positions are created, more other leadership positions are created. Management positions for management positions are created. All of a sudden you have all these bureaucrats with very little technical skills overseeing a bunch of people who have a lot of technical skills. What are the reactions? And then also... Maybe you have a leader in a position or manager position. Are they seeking to try to get better, to understand more? Are they continually going to the people who work for them, asking them questions, wanting to know about their craft? Where are you having problems? Help me learn. How humble is that person? Something else you can observe. Caring is a big one. Watching how much people care. Are they concerned about the well-being, well-being of others? And again, this is an overt behavior you're looking for. You know, can you fake this? Are there people that can fake it? I'm sure there are. If you're if you fake caring for someone, but the people think that you care for them, is that okay? I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm asking you a question. But the people, the masses want to feel like their bosses care. I think that's important. That's something you can observe. This is one of my favorites, resiliency, handling adversity, avoiding the roller coasters. How many leaders have you seen that have really high highs and really high lows or low lows, high highs and low lows? Kind of have a hard time maintaining that evil, even keel. One of my favorite uh, mantras is it's never as good as it seems, never as bad as it seems. And I'm sure there's contradictions to that. I'm sure it can get really bad. But how does that leader handle adversity? Predictability is another is another one you can look out for. How many people have had bosses that day in and day out, when they come into work, you never know what you're going to get? Forrest Gump, box of chocolates. Every day is different. There's no predictability. And I'm just talking predictability about maybe personality, how they, their demeanor when they show up to work. You know, I'd almost rather you show up to work every day in a bad mood than one day you have a high, high and next day you have a low, low and I never know what I'm going to get. We're not looking for robots here, 
But predictability, I think, also applies to decision-making, actions, consistency. You know, I think that's important. Power. You can watch, you can watch, you can learn a lot about somebody through observation by how they wield their power. You can find how much they love power too. I have seen people get promoted into leadership roles and just go bananas. Like they finally have some power and authority and they lose their god dang minds. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that uh, that seductive allure of power that draws people into this this vortex of where it's just their their way or the highway, man. Like they get to make the decisions and and they don't care what you have to say. So you can learn a lot about people and how they can not only just how they're wielding power, but how they can handle power and authority. And again, watch the followers' reactions and it's not going to be pretty if they can't handle that power. I like to watch and observe leaders and how much they give, how much they take. Are they always demanding, demanding? Is it, is, are the interactions always transactional? You give me this, I'll give you that. This for that. Or, you know, going back to the difference between transactional leadership and transformational leadership, which that will be an episode coming up in the next few weeks. A lot of people don't know the difference between transactional and transformational leadership. Let's just call transactional this for that. You do this for me, you get X in return. It's very superficial. A lot of relationships are built like that in the workplace. Transformational is a deeper relationship. You know, it's more about talking about hierarchy needs, Maslow, self-actualization, trying to get people to realize their own potentials, their own goals. It's collective flourishing. James McGregor Burns, transformational leadership. But giving and taking. There are leaders out there, I've seen them who you know, we talk about servant leadership a lot, right? Servant leadership. Servant leadership's important. In some in some scenarios. But it's just giving is giving much more than you receive for those who work for you. You know, trying to always be there for them. What do you need? Always asking what they need. It's really important. Empathetic. How empathetic are the leaders that you're observing? Can you see this? Is it visible? How are they handling situations when others are experiencing emotional pain or dealing with an unpleasant situation or just even an unpleasant life event? That's really important. Are they approachable? Are they approachable for for feedback, for problems, new ideas? Fairness. How is it applied? How does it apply across the spectrum of the people who work for them? A question for, for everyone out there, can you treat everyone equally when all situations are not equal? I'll let you ruminate on that one. 
The last two things I want to talk about are, as far as observation goes, how do they make decisions? On the scale, on the, if you have a spectrum, you have very autocratic, authoritative on one side, very democratic on the other side of the spectrum. Where do they tend to be? Where do they tend to sit on that spectrum? And again, what kind of reactions are they getting from people because of where they're on the spectrum? And are they able to move fluidly back and forth throughout the spectrum based on the context? Context matters, right? Or are they just rigid in one, in one area? And again, how do others react to that? And I think the last thing I want to bring up before we close this is the mean influence over time. What is that leader's influence on others over a long timeline? And again, a leader's going to have a bad day. A leader's going to make a decision that, that is unpopular. People are going to hate that leader that one day. God, I wish he or she wasn't my leader. I'm talking the long timeline. What's the trend line look like? Influence. Inspiring others. Making other people around that person better. All of those things throughout, the, throughout a long sample size or a big sample size. What's their influence? That's pretty much all I have on observation. Those are some things I just went through of what you can look for. And again, you can also apply that to yourself. Hope you got something out of this. I enjoy talking about it. I'm grateful for you listening and watching if you're out there. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.